morning, everybody. Welcome to the Gnostic Church and Academy of Lord Jesus Christ. I am your teacher of the mysteries and preacher of the heart, Brother Marty Leeds. It's so good uh, to see everybody here. Uh, this is going to be a good one. Happy Easter, everybody. Happy Easter. Uh, he is risen. He is risen. And we'll be talking about that today, of course. Uh, we do service every Sunday at 9 a.m. Central Standard Time. 
So if you'd like to join us, it's a wonderful group of people. We have really cultivated uh, of just a fantastic group of people. It's Everybody here is just top-notch, and it's just a wonderful, wonderful crowd. And that's what we wanted to build, and that's what we're building, and it's a beautiful thing. So, And we, we really hope to do this in person at some point um, and build a physical church when we, uh, when we move down to Missouri. So I am your... Beecher Preacher. We are coming live from Beecher, Wisconsin, as you guys know. Um, I'd like to dedicate this service to the wonderful... Oh my God, I hope I don't start crying here. My Lord. Blah. Okay, so I'd like to just dedicate this. I'm going to say this real quick, otherwise I'm going to start busting out. Anyway, um, <clears throat> as many of you know, we we lost. We didn't lose anything. We we gained is what we did. That's what we did from this man's life. Bob Nodal. Uh, Bob Nodal just passed, uh, I think, Thursday night or something like that, I want to say. So... And I already did a Remembering Bob and everything like that. And he was just a, a wonderful man. He did so much for this community. Um, gentle giant, as they say. Just a wonderful, wonderful human being. And so uh, he passed onto the other side. And so we're just going to dedicate this, this sermon to Bob. So, Bob, we love you so much, man. We love you. You were... Um, you were a good bard, as they say, as they say in these parts. You were a good bard. So peace be unto you, Bob. We love you very much. So if you get a chance, um, <clears throat> send Cammy, his uh, his wife, some love. Uh, Globebusters is going to do a whole remembrance. I think next Sunday I'm going to be on that as well. And just gonna, everybody's going to get on and just, uh, you know, speak their peace about Bob because he was a wonderful, wonderful man. And he did so much for this community. Okay, i got to stop. All right. Anyway. All right. Let's do a prayer and then let's get into this, all right? Lord, we lift our hearts to you. As the dawn breaks, may, may we carry the unity we share into every moment, knowing that we are one with the risen Christ. Lord, we lift our eyes to you. As the sun rises, may this moment stay with us, reminding us to look for the beautiful colors of promise in your word. Lord, we lift our prayers to you. As the dew air falls, we may breathe this morning in and know that like the earth, you sustain us, keep us, and work within us always. And so we lift our voices to you. We celebrate when Jesus rose from the dead, defeated darkness, and bathed the world in stunning resurrection light. May we ever live to praise you. Amen. Okay. So, obviously we're going to talk about Easter today. We're going to talk about um, the death and resurrection of Christ. That's what we're going to focus on today. And the concept of death and resurrection and how that's what we're, we're all here to do. That's what we're here to do. So many of you know why we're here, of course. We are given in the Bible, this is uh, the 14 stations of the way of cross, the way of the cross, of course. He was put on the cross three days and um, he resurrected. And so that's what we're going to discuss to discuss today. We're going to discuss all these elements, the cross, death and resurrection, INRI. We're going to get a little mathy today, but it's going to be good. It's going to be a delicious, mm -mm, succulent, tasty little morsel today, okay? So the first thing we're going to do is recognize um, the power of the cross. Like, why? number one, uh, I, I think many people recognize that the cross isn't just something that's related to Jesus Christ. It's it's a It's a fundamental archetypal geometric form that's understood as uh, foundational to understanding of you know the the, pa the pattern and order let's just say the logos of our creation and many cultures across the world have understood the cross of course here is a just a smattering of you know native american crosses and that sort of thing you've got the the ute at the quarter there the medicine wheel uh, you know this is this is something that's 
well understood across the world to be a representation of the pattern of the sun in the year, of course. This is your solstices and equinoxes. A cross is represented, of course, as these four seasons, right? Winter, spring, summer, autumn, okay? And this is, and we're going to talk today about exactly why, um, we'll get, we'll get into it, but you know, why is Jesus born on the winter solstice and why are we celebrating Easter and the, and the resurrection of Christ around the, the equinox here? What's, what's going on that? What's going, what's going on with this whole thing? So I had planned to do this, specifically speak about this topic today um, for this sermon. And a couple of couple of the fine ladies at the Gnostic Church and Academy of Lord Jesus Christ wrote me, and they wanted to know about this as well. So I'm just going to read what they wrote. So this was uh, Shannon Seal and Jamie Butler Greeley. They sent me a message saying, hey, Marty, why don't you explain some shit for us, okay? And I was like, sure, I can do that. So Shannon asked, hey, he's like, hey, Easter's date is the first Sunday after the Paschal full moon following the vernal or the, you know, the, the spring equinox. The vernal equinox makes sense because the light of the daylight, the sunlight, the S-O-N, the S-U-N, we'll talk about that, is now surpassing the length of darkness. As we know, the days are getting longer. Thank the living God. Because, <clears throat> man, it was a long winter. But I, she was saying, I was a little uncertain why the full moon is tied into this date selection. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Why not just tie the date to the equinox, she says. Great question. Christmas doesn't change from December 25th. Christmas is always on December 25th. But here on Easter, it's like it's a movable date. It's a movable feast. What's going on? Easter moves. Moves based on the equinox, but she says, but also the moon. Ooh, very perceptive. Excellent, excellent. See, the people of this church are thinking. They got their thinking caps on. Jamie Butler Greeley asked, Hey, Marty. Mr. Smarty Pants there. I have a serious question for you. I've wondered this for years now, and I just can't reconcile the difference between Christmas and Easter from a Gnostic perspective. What I mean is both seem to be about the death and resurrection of Christ, ultimately. If you look at them astrotheologically, I get a little confused. The sun is finally overcoming the darkness at the winter solstice. Um, however, it doesn't fully overtake the darkness until the Passover at Equinox. Okay, so we're going to talk about these two positions. So we're going to talk about the birth of Christ, and then, of course, the death and resurrection of Christ, uh, what we're celebrating now. So... The first thing uh, we'll say is this is, of course, Easter, right? And this is like, this is the Christian holiday. Now, it's related to Passover. In fact, Jesus' meal was on Passover, this last, this last meal, that sort of thing. Um, Easter is linked to the Jewish Passover from the Paschal, it's Pesha, right? Pasha is by its origin. According to the Synoptic Gospels, both the crucifixion and the resurrection took place during the Passover and by much of its symbolism as well as its position, etc. So we, we realize, in, in short, we realize that there's a connection here to the Jewish holiday of Passover and then Christ shows up and then all of a sudden we're celebrating Easter and they're celebrated around the same time. So, you know, so what's going on there, right? So Paschal, this comes from, this is the, the shared root here, Paschal. It's relating to Easter. It's relating to Jewish Passover. This is the Paschal Lamb, of course. Now, Easter is celebrated the first Sunday after the full moon that occurs on or after the spring equinox, okay? So basically after the equinox, so we've got that cross in our sky. After that equinox, the sun traverses over that equinox and then... The first full moon that we get, and then the Sunday after that full moon is when we celebrate the resurrection of Christ. And what we'll see that this is based on 
This is based on a lunar and solar calendar. So the first thing we have to ask ourselves is when we when we start picking apart literalist and fundamentalist Christianity, which has loads of issue, issues, as you all know, loads and loads of problem problems. But here we, you know, we're told in the Bible, first and foremost, when it comes to Jesus's birth, that Three, three magi, they showed up. They're like, hey, we followed this star in the east and we went to the exact place, the exact date, and the exact time when Jesus was born. And this is what it says in Matthew. This is Matthew 2, right? Uh, you know, you know where is it? we'll cover this. Where is he is? Comes king of the Jews, seen a star in the east, come to worship him, worship him that whole thing. So, <clears throat> accordingly, to th- in the Bible, it says specifically that not only, I mean, the, the, not only did the Magi know specifically when he was born, but they showed up and gave him presents, you know, gifts and things like that by following astrology. They followed a star in the East, of course. So we know all this. And the Bible is telling us that they know that exact date. Then we have no idea when he was actually born. People are still arguing about the date of when Jesus was actually born. They don't have like an official record, though the Bible says we do. So who are who are the people responsible of keeping that record and what the hell is your problem, okay? So the reason that you're not giving a, given a date in the Bible is because the Bible is not meant to be read as we know as a history book. These are timeless lessons. And that's what death and resurrection ultimately is. It's a timeless spiritual lesson that we all have to learn. That's what we're here to do, by the way. So... Think about this. So they, they're telling us that they knew, they knew the date of when Jesus was born, but then they plumb forgot to write it all down. They also forgot to write about, you know, keep track of all the living relatives of Jesus. You know, he had like brothers and sisters and stuff, but apparently all those traditions that are touting apostolic succession, just oopsie daisy, we freaking forgot to keep records of Jesus's actual bloodline. Hmm. Or maybe they're just full of pupacaca, right? So we have... we. So we're told that we know the, the date of, uh, you know, Jesus' birth, and we celebrate it on Christmas, of course, and that doesn't move. It's always December 25th. Then we get to his death and resurrection on Easter, and the date moves. You, what? Like, why would it move? Does that make any sense? Like, if your grandpa died, and he died on August 10th, do you just move it to, to celebrate? Well, sometimes we, you know, we celebrate his life and, you know, August 10th, but sometimes we wait till the full moon after a certain date and then that's Sunday. That's No, you mark the day he was born and the day he died and that's the celebration of his life. Here, the living Savior was walking around in a flesh vehicle on earth according to literalist fundamentalist Christianity and you guys didn't record the day he was born and then on the day he died, you move the feast? You, what is going on? What is going on? Why is Jesus's death and resurrection related to the canopy of the stars? Because, you know, uh, spoiler alert, that's what the Bible is. It's all related to the, the sky. As we know, I just wrote a book called Scripture in the Stars. Shameless plug. Okay, so, so Easter, uh, we see that Easter is related to a lunar solar calendar. In order to figure out what date that we're going to celebrate of course, we celebrate it on a Sunday, right? We don't celebrate on a Saturday. We don't do it on the old Sabbath. We celebrate on the new Sunday, right? Day of the sun. It's based on a lunar solar calendar. Easter and its related holidays are movable feasts. They don't fall on a fixed date, which doesn't make any sense whatsoever if you're supposed to read this literally. It's based on a lunar solar calendar, and we're going to see why 
and we're going to discuss today why Christmas is based on the sun, but Easter is based on the sun and the moon. It is coming to be the first Sunday after the ecclesiastical full moon that occurs on or soonest after March 21st. So you have the general date of the equinox being celebrated on March 21st, 22nd, of course, depending on a um, the year. But basically that date doesn't move, but Easter does. Now, the the Easter dates vary like almost like, what, 30, 40 days, something like that. So what is the latest date that Easter has ever been? The holiday last occurred on March 22nd in 1618, and it won't fall on this date again until 2285. It's going to be a while. You know, I won't be around. Conversely, Easter occurs on the last possible date of April 25th. It last fell on April 25th in 1943. So between March 22nd and April 25th, that's like 30-some days, whatever. You know, it's like 30, 40 days of difference. So you have a variance in which we celebrate the, the resurrection of Christ, of course. So, why? Well, we'll cover that today. So, obviously, when we see um, Passover... What is the sun doing? So the word Passover, well, it's passing over that, that the, the lower half of your zodiac. That's, that's what it's doing in this sense. It's passing over that equinoctial marker and getting into lighter, you know, the, the days grow longer, of course. So there's more light. And so it passes over the darkness. And so we see that Easter is the same sort of thing. We're celebrating what? Light, of course, right? So, in winter, Jesus' birth is based solely on the sun. Never changes. It's a fixed date. Everybody knows, right? December 25th, hey, it's Christmas. And that's three days, three, four days after what? The solstice, the winter solstice. And that's when the sun is in the pits, in the belly of the beast. It's when it's in its darkest hour, right? The darkest time of the year. Now, spring, we go, we got about 90 degrees right there. And then we see that it's a movable feast, and Jesus' death and rebirth is based on what? the sun, and the moon, a solar lunar calendar. It incorporates the, the full moon into it. Why? Why? Well, we'll do some learning today, won't we? Okay, so everybody get that. Winter, Christmas, just based on the sun. Easter, sun and moon. So <clears throat> let's, do a, let's do a little, you know, th this is why it's so necessary uh, when, you, when you read the Bible to get into phonetics and things like that so you can make the appropriate correlations. We've, we've talked about this many, many times, like, you know, good, evil, God, devil. I mean, you know, even children can make those basic correlations, right? The S-O-N of God and the S-U-N of God, right? Of course, we see that Jesus, at least in one of his symbolic manifestations, is a representation of the sun because the sun actually enters us into the celestial canopy. Everything down here is ultimately going to be based on the sun. Why? Because the sun is like clockwork. Not even like. The sun is clockwork. 24. 24. 24. 24. It just, it's doing the same thing and you can rely on it. You're, I know the sun's going to rise, you know, 15 degree, blah, 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 that sort of thing. What's the moon doing? Oh, who knows, man. The moon is a lunatic. It's doing all sorts of crazy stuff. I woke up at like 1.30 in the morning last night and I looked out at the moon and I, and it was so strange. It's like I don't, you know, track it every every you know night or anything like that, but it just seemed like it was kind of in the wrong place or something. It's like the moon's always doing crazy shit. No one knows. The sun is like clockwork. So on Christmas, what do we have? On Christmas, we have what? The S-O-N of God being born, right? The S-O-N, Jesus being born. 
And that's what, three days, three, four days after that equi or the, the solstice, excuse me. Now, what happens to the S-U-N? Well, this is when we see the sun dies. It's going to its lowest point. It's dead for three days, as we know this general pattern. And then what's happening on Christmas? This is when it rises. So it's like this resurrection thing. And this is where we get this three-day thing. We'll talk about the three days. It's not just related to this. I mean, the, the cycle of the sun gives us that three days. But as we know, the number three is transcendent. It's, it's, a, it's a transcendent thing. So the number three isn't just stuck into the sun, as we know. If you guys watch the geometry of good thinking, the number three is, 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 is it's like the whole number line is, is based on that trinity. So Christmas, we got the S-O-N, born. S-U-N is dying in resurrection. Now let's go 90 degree, whoop, let's go over to the spring here, that vernal equinox, right? What's happening in Easter around that time? The S-O-N, Jesus, the son, S-O-N, dies and resurrects. And what is the S-U-N? In this sense, it's born. And we'll talk about, it. we'll actually show the birth process in the, in the zodiac so we can make sense of this whole thing. So the sun, in this sense, is born because why? It's passing all, all the darkness, right? When the sun is down here at East, uh, uh, excuse me, on Christmas, it's still in the darkness in this sense. It's still in the, the belly of the beast, the pit, right? It's only when it crosses that equinoctial marker, it gets into the vernal equinox, that it's like, now, now we're in the upper half of the year. Oh, light, right? <clears throat> so, so there's that. As we're going to see, and we've talked about this before, we're going to discuss death and resurrection today, okay? And death and resurrection is ultimately about what? Being reborn. This is the, the very language that they use, being reborn. And what we're going to see, and we've discussed this many times, is that our spiritual rebirth is a reflection of our physical birth. And we are going to see this in the celebration of, or in, in, the, in the marking and the recognition of Jesus being born on Christmas and Jesus dying and being reborn spiritually. We've got a birth down here at winter, physical birth, the Lord Jesus. Up here on the vernal equinox, what do we got? A, a metaphysical, a spiritual rebirth of Jesus. This is when the spirit of, of Christ is, you know, the, the physical body died and the spirit rose, right? He is risen. So what we're going to see is that our, our, our spiritual rebirth process is something that's crafted into our entire cosmology. And that spiritual rebirth process is based on our physical birth. And we are going to see this today in the numbers, okay? So, again, your spiritual rebirth reflects your physical birth. So if there are three days in winter, why don't we see those three days in, in the spring? Okay, well, we actually do. We actually do. What do I mean? Um, so we're going to relate this um, once again. We'll get, we'll get to that in just a second. We're going to relate once again Christmas and Easter. We're going to focus on those two dates and see what's going on in our skies. This is going to be fun. <laughs> so we all know that story of the three days, right, in the winter. And this is where specifically where it's mentioned. But then, but that's in the winter. Now we're at Easter and we're and there's like these three days on the cross. Well, it doesn't necessarily have to be tied to this cycle of the sun. We already have that, that three days that's given to us by the sun, right? Okay, that's three days down here, December 22nd, 23rd, 24th, and essentially where the sun doesn't rise. It just basically stays where it is. It's in the tomb. The low, we, we get the general, this, you know, the symbolism behind this. And then, of course, 25th, it you know, starts raising again. Now, what I mean by the three days is not just related to that cycle of the sun, because we actually find this three days just in the name of Lord Jesus Christ. Because once again, three is transcendent. 
Once again, if you watched uh, the geometry of good thinking, our entire number line, three, four, five, six, seven, is all Trinitarian. It's all based on the Trinity. You can't do basic geometry without it. It's a beautiful thing. So, these three days, let's focus on the numbers of the three days. We'll find this right in the name of Christ. So, three days can be converted into one of these units, right? So, let's first, we got 72 hours. 24 hours times 3, 72. It's 4,320 minutes in three days. And then, of course, you get uh, the seconds is 259,200. Uh, and we're going to find these, these base numbers right in the name, right in the <coughs> geometric, or excuse me, um, the, the Kabbalistic deconstruction of Lord Jesus Christ. Okay? So, first and foremost, three days is 72 hours. Well, let's just do, if you guys are... If you're anybody new here, of course, we're using the septenary gematri here. And we're going to use this on the name Lord Jesus Christ. All based on the number seven, the holy number seven. Lord Jesus Christ. Lord equals 13. Jesus equals 27. Christ equals 32. Lord equals 13. Jesus equals 27. Christ equals 32. That equals 72. It's the number of hours in three days. So, um... There's that one. So there's 72 hours and three days. Let's go to 4,320 minutes. That's just the multiplication of the, the, the numbers of Jesus. So J-E-S-U-S -S is 45666. Four times five times six times six times six is what? 4,320. So those two, you know, uh, hours and minutes directly encoded within Jesus and Lord Jesus Christ. Lord Jesus Christ's name is a, a Kabbalistic construction of just a masterful next level. And this is why I did a 500 and some page book on it, because there's so much encoded in there. I don't even know if I included this in the book. That's like an afterthought. Um, now we go to the seconds, 259,200. Where do we find that? There's five letters of, of Jesus. Jesus equals 27. There's six letters of Christ and Christ equals 32. Five letters of Jesus, Jesus equals 27. Six letters of Christ, Christ equals 32. Five times 27 times six times 32 is 25,920. It's the root number of 259200. All you're doing is multiplying by 10. Which the base 10 system is encoded in the name of Jesus, by the way. Literally broken up syllabically. That's another live stream. Many of you probably know. but So let's let's... Let's pump the brakes here and let's step back a second. So this this idea of the th of three days, right, is is a is a there, there's math to this, of course, hours, minutes, seconds, all of it is found in the, the 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 very dude that we focus on the number three, the three days. Lord Jesus Christ equals seventy two. The multiplication of Jesus equals four thousand three hundred and twenty. It's the hours, the minutes. Five letters of Jesus times 27 is six letters of Christ times 32 is 25,920. Multiply that by 10 and you've got the seconds. All of that math encoded just straight up right in his name. Now we know that the, the three days, once again, is something that the number three transcends the time. Yes, we get it in the solar year, right? That's It's just naturally given to us by the sun. The sun is literally telling us, hey, focus on the number three. So we, we see that Jonah was in the belly of the beast, the belly of the whale, the belly of the, the great fish for three days. Where's Jonah? Where's this whale? Where's this whale? 
Well, this whale is a constellation, and that is the constellation Cetus. The reason I'm bringing this up is because we're going to be hanging out in this section of the sky today, and we're going to see a lot, a lot of things going to be revealed today. So there is a big beast in the sky, a big whale of a fish, and Jonah was in that whale for three days. Now that whale isn't by the winter solstice or, or the winter, yeah, the winter solstice. It's not anywhere near it. It's actually, actually, it's closer to Easter, as we're going to see. So once again, you have this this fundamental idea that is transcending just the pattern of the sun. And as we're going to see today that, uh, so there's Cetus, there's the whale, right by the ecliptic there, of course, path of the zodiac. And so once again, we see that this three days concept is, 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 is transcended because the number three is transcended. It's not just stuck in the sun. So now we know, if, at least if you follow along this channel, we know that once again, Jesus is related to the sun, is, is um, uh, once again, in one of his symbolic manifestations of Jesus is that he represents the sun because the sun is the gateway to the mysteries. That's really what it is. Hence why you have so many sun gods. The first three letters of Christ is 365. Literally left to right, 365, okay? So um, there, there's other things we can point out and I'll, I'll show that right now. Um, here is when Jesus was born on, on, on Christmas, right? This is the three magi that followed a star and the, they followed astrology. They were magicians. That's what magi means. They were magicians that followed a star in the east, which means they were paying attention to astrology to find out when the sun would be born. Okay, well, this is exactly what it says in Matthew. I think it's 2-2 two, two is what this is. And we're going to revisit this king of the Jews thing at the end, okay? So this is what it says, and I think it's Matthew 2-2. Two, two. Where is he that is born, uh, king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. And this is what it says. It literally says something like, oh, I should, here, here, I'll just read it. Ah, that's all right. It says, saying, comma. So literally tells you that this is what they said. Where is he that is born, king of the Jews, the son of God? Where is he that is born, king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. What does that equal in septenary gematria? Using that right there. What does it equal? Anybody can do the math. 365. That makes sense. That makes sense when you make the appropriate connections that the Bible and Christianity is actually trying to get you to make. The sun helps us understand, you know, the, the sky clock in this, in this sense. The sun helps us understand order and logos to this place. It also is the key thing, the key light in our sky to tell us what? About our spiritual process. What is that spiritual process? Death, and resurrection. What does the sun do? As I've said this many, many times, what does the sun do every single year? Dies and is reborn. And is reborn. What does the sun do every single day? Rises in the east over here, sets in the west over there. And when I wake up the next day, what is it doing? Oh, it, it's it, it's born and then it goes to middle age and then it dies and then it's born again. The pattern, the, the fundamental symbolic message of the sun, spiritual message of the sun is it, the, the spiritual message is told you every single day. Die. Be reborn. So we're going to look at the number 864 to make this uh, just real quick. Because this is going to lead us to the two people that were crucified next to Christ on, on the cross. So we're going to see that 864 is a number related to the sun. And so the question is, okay, why? Why is 864, and we'll see this in just a second, why is 864 related to the sun? Well, there's 86,400 seconds in one day. So 86,400 seconds compose one day. How many seconds in a minute? 60. How many minutes in an hour? 60. How many hours in a day? 24. 60 
60, 24. 60, 60, 24. Minutes, seconds, hours. 60 times 60 times 24 is 86,400. So what, what the biblical writers are doing is encoding mathematics so that you can make the appropriate connections when you're reading the, the, the story. So it's like, yes, we, so, so we can verify with the application of math exactly what they're referring to in the Bible. Yes, Jesus Christ is a representation of the Son. How do we, how do we know that? Because once again, let's just go to the Kabbalistic construction of his name, but not in one language. Let's do it in two. So Jesus equals 27 and Christ equals 32. Let's just do some, let's go, let's follow the way of the cross. Let us take up our cross and follow him. (laughs) So let's multiply. Jesus equals 27. Christ equals 32. 27 times 32 is what? 864. The, The seconds in a day. Okay. Could he, this is the Greek name. This is the Greek name of Jesus, Lord Jesus Christ. That's exactly what it says there. Kyrios, Jesus Christos. You use uh, the Greek cipher for this. So the um, uh, there's a there's a well-known cipher for Greek. There's a well-known cipher for Hebrew. And what we're showing here is now I'm going to make it well-known that there's a cipher for English. And that's what you're looking at right there. So Jesus times Christ is 864. Let's go to Greek. Kyrios, Jesus Christos. You put the appropriate numbers there. You get 800, 888, and 1480. Lord equals 800, Jesus equals 888, many people know that, and uh, Christos equals 1480. And once again, this is all verifiable. You don't, you shouldn't trust me. You just go do this yourself. When you break those numbers down, just break them down. What does it give you? Lord equals 8, Christ equals 6, Christos equals 4. Reading left to right, what do you got? 8, 6, 4. 8, 6, 4. 864. Okay. Does everybody get that? It's going to be important to know as we move when we move on. Okay. So we see where is he is born king of the Jews? We see 365. We see 365. All these ways that we can relate Christ directly to the Son, besides the fact that phonetically it's S-O-N and S-U-N is the exact same phonetics. We see 864 is a number related directly to the Son, and you find that not only in English, but as well in Greek. Okay. So, now there was two dudes that were crucified next to Christ. Christian tradition holds that Gestus was on the cross to the left of Jesus and Dismas was on the cross to the right of Jesus. So, um, Gestus and Dismas, right? And these were the, 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 you know, the good and bad thieves, if you will, something like that, right? So, um, there's the, once again, we're going to be using the septenary cipher for this, okay? Right there. And what you can see on the left is Gestus there, and then Dismas is on, on the right. Okay. So um, Gestus using English Gematria equals 32. Watch this. <laughs> Gestus equals 32, and Dismas equals 23. And in the middle is Jesus, correct? Tons of illustrations you can find this. Uh, you know, Gestus is on the left, that equals 32, and Dismas is on the right, and that equals 23. Well, what are those? What are what are those two guys doing? They're mirroring, they're 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 flanking in this sense. This the left and the right. They're in this sense, they're opposites. And they even say it's like good and bad thief kind of thing, right? So Gestus equals 32. What's the mirror of 32? It's 23. 32, 23, 32, 23, 32, 23. Okay. Jesus is in the middle. 
Now, if you walk up 23, 24, 25, 26, 27, 28, 29, 30, 31, 32, that's 10, 10 numbers, right? So there really is no middle number there. The, the, the number between 32 or 23 and 32 would be 27 and a half. If you, you know, that would be your, your middle number. You just add the, you know, 32 plus 23 and divided by two in this sense. 27 and a half in this sense. 27 and a half is roughly a sidereal lunar month, by the way. And we're going to be talking about the moon here. A sidereal lunar month is 27.32 days, something like that. Roughly 27 and a half. Okay, so there, there's that, just to throw that out there. But let's do some more math here. Okay, so 32, 23. Well, let's add, there's Dismas and there's Gestus, right? So let's add 23 through 32. 23 plus 24, 25, 26, 27, 28, 29, 30, 31, 32. If you add 23 through 32, it equals 275. Everybody get that. Dismiss Gestus. 23 through uh, 32 is 275. 275 times pi is 864. So let's just, let's just, little review here, okay? All the ways in which whoever encoded our alphabet, whoever encoded the Holy Bible, whoever, have, whoever has kept the tradition of these names up for all these years, all of these ways in which they are Kabbalistically encoding to let you know that, look, we're dealing with the sun, the sun in our sky. And we're going to pinpoint that by the mathematics encoded within that. So let's do a little review. Why is 864 related to the sun? All we have to do is count. 60 times 60 times 24 is what? 86,400. Jesus times Christ is 864. That's in English. Go to the original Greek. Kyrios Jesus Christos. Just break it down. <clears throat> Pi is encoded in that name too, by the way. Uh, read those numbers backwards. So 800-888-1480. The first reduction is 8, 24, and thir 13. Read it backward. 8, 24, and 13. Read it backward. 8, 24, 13. 3148. 22 divided by 7 is 3.142. 3.142857. 3.142857. 3.142857. 3.142857. It's the it's literally the approximation of pi that's encoded in our alphabet, by the way. Right there. <clears throat> Jesus times Christ, 864. Kyrios Jesus Christos, break it down, 864. Now we go to the numbers, Gestus to Dismas, using pi. Dismas to Gestus, 23 to 32 is 275. 275 times pi is 864. All of these ways to tell you what? That we're dealing with a story of the sun. And that sun ultimately is reflected in you. And what Jesus' path was is your path. <clears throat> another, another way that we can recognize that Jesus is related to the sun. Number one, we, we just talked about the fact that Christ equals 32. Okay, and then we have, uh, what is it, Gestus guess, guess there is equals 32. So Jesus was, you know, this is this is actually where you get your 32 and 33 degrees, by the way. <laughs> you know, people think that most, they, they see these symbols there. It's like 32 and 33, those are, that's the Masonic numbers. No, 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 no. Masons don't own shit. Um, those numbers, 32 and 33, are specifically related to Christ. Because in the Bible, we actually don't even know how long Jesus allegedly lived. 32 or 33 years. 
Okay? Um, and it even says in Jesus himself, this is Luke 3.23, 3 there, pretty interesting anyway. And Jesus himself began to be about 30 years of age, uh, being, as was supposed, the son of Joseph, which was the son of Heli. And so we know that he was began to be about 30 years of age, which means he's what? Began to be about. That's really, uh, you know, it's like, uh, it's not really specific language. It's very, you know, um, so 30, he could be 29, 30. Uh, we're not really sure. And then his ministry was known to last three years. So in other words, when Jesus died and resurrected, he was... 32, 33, somewhere around there. That is according to the Bible. Now, yet another way that the Bible is trying to tell, and it's nuts that, I'm sorry, I'll just have to say this. It's bonkers, absolutely childish that most fundamentalist Christians can't even see such a basic connection here, okay? And once you see it, I'll show you. So Jesus, this is yet another clue that the Bible is giving you to tell you that you're dealing with the patterns of, of our stars and the sun, right? Sun, moon, stars, that whole thing. The pattern of God's heaven, the logos. Jesus himself began to be around 30 years of age. He was either 32 or 33 when he left this earth, that kind of thing, right? And he was the son of Joseph, as we know, which was the son of Heli. Heli is the root word of helio, which means what? It's the Greek word for sun. <laughs> so not only is he phonetically called the sun, but then they tell you that his grandpapa was named the sun. You, you, mean, you mean to tell me that he, he just... You know, why do they put that in there? Why is that information necessary? It's necessary because it's necessary for you. It's it's like the Bible just constantly being like, look, I'm going to give you another clue. Oh, here's another clue. Here's another clue. And if you know, and then not only that, we're going to encode all the math. So when you actually recognize that and go in and start studying this stuff, we're, we're going to verify that, that, that not opinion, not opinion. This isn't an opinion. The reason that they're given all this stuff is so that you can make this correlation and verify it. Okay. So yes, we're, he, he is a, uh, the sun. Okay, so now we're going to talk about death and rebirth because that's what our whole spiritual process is all about. This motif is, you know, this is when I got into like early when I got into comparative, you know, comparative mythology, you know, reading even starting early reading like, you know, the Joseph Campbell stuff and that sort of thing. One of the things you'll see is this motif all over the world. This general idea of you know, sacrifice and then rebirth, right? Um, and I'll show you a couple of these, but the motif of dying, a dying deity appears within the mythology of diverse cultures. Then um, it says there's examples, Balder, Norse mythology, the Quetzalcoatl and the Aztec mythology, the Japanese Izanami, okay? And this whole process is what you're to undergo. And, and, and this is, you, you're born into this world, you don't know anything, and you're trying to reach enlightenment so that you can what? Get, you know, in this sense, rejoin God, eternal life. That's what the whole thing is about. So there's all sorts of ways that we can signify, and we'll, we'll go over a bunch of these. We'll, I'll, I'll revisit this in just a second, but there's a whole bunch of ways that we can signify, or that is that um, there are, there's a bunch of ways that through symbolism that we can represent this alchemical rebirth process, and that's really what it is, because you're changing, you're altering your chemistry, and that's really what it, that's really what it's all about. 
And there's a bunch of different ways that people, uh, the civilizations, cultures, uh, mystery traditions, that sort of thing, have symbolized this, okay? The rebus, this is one of my favorite alchemical illustrations I just got. You know, when I was st first studying this stuff, this thing just rocks me, man. I was like, what am I looking at here, right? Now it makes total sense. This whole thing, I'm like, Jesus, that's awesome. But it's really perfectly encapsulated within Rebus. Okay, Rebus, um, and this is these are ways in which to represent this, alch um, this alchemical rebirth process. What are a few of the ways? Well, number one, the merging of the sun and moon. We'll see this a lot, okay? That when we talk about dying and being reborn, just as we're celebrating on Easter, we're not celebrating just based on the sun, are we? No, no, we're not. We're, we're celebrating Jesus's death and resurrection based on what? The sun and the moon, correct? Yes. So, one of the ways to symbolize this alchemical rebirth process, your death and resurrection, is through the merging of the sun and the moon. Okay. Another way it's done is what? Through the marriage, the alchemical union of the man and the woman. And you'll see, I'll show this, once again, I'll show all examples of these so that we can be very clear on this. Man and woman. What's another way that we show this alchemical rebirth process? Through the merging of the circle and the square. And that's, of course, there's actual mathematics to that. That's squaring the circle. Hard mathematics to that. And that's found in Genesis 1-1, by the way. Once again, that's another live stream. So, this this concept of death and resurrection is found all over in tons of different cultures and things like that. What is it? It's turning lead into gold in alchemy. We're, you know, of course, we deal with alchemy quite a lot on this channel. As I say, there's no way, there's, there's no possible way for you to understand the deeper meanings of the stories and riddles and parables and, and symbolism of the Bible unless you do your due diligence in alchemy, you can quote me. So, we turn lead into gold. That's what you're here to do. You're the dummy lead. Me too. We were all the dummy lead. That's what we were. Walking around just worthless, sort of, you know, heavy, that sort of thing. And we want to turn into that gold. So, the, the fundamental process of alchemy is all about your spiritual death and rebirth. Freemasonry. Freemasonry is the same thing. They give you the allegory of what? The rough ashlar stone? You're going to make that the perfect ashlar stone. And they have tons of different examples there. There's a perfect cube within you. That's another live stream. <laughs> There's a perfect cube within you. Right, you know, right now you got a bunch of lead. And what you want to do is you want to chip that away. You're going to chip and chip and chip. And ultimately what you're going to do is you're going to unveil David. Michelangelo's David under there. That sort of thing, right? <clears throat> you're going to chip all that away. And so you're going to go from the rough ashlar stone to the perfect ashlar stone. And that's what the symbolism is all about. It's spiritual rebirth. All of these traditions are all about it. What's the lost Masonic word? We did a whole live stream on this. The lost Masonic word is the same sort of thing. What happened? Here in Mabiff kept the word from the three ruffians. They were the three Jews. There was three Jews. There was three Jews that wanted the master's word from here in Mabiff, and their names were Jubela, Jubilo, and Jubilum. And so the main myth of masonry is calling out three Jews. Just saying. Just, just saying. So, the Hiramabeth kept the lost Masonic word and he didn't give it to a bunch of thieves and a bunch of scumbags and a bunch of Pharisees and scribes that didn't earn it. And he kept it. So, we have the lost Masonic word and of course, the lost Masonic word is all about what? This is, the whole, this is one of the great riddles of Masonry. The subsequent recovery of it. Recovery of this word. 
So something's lost, you have to find it. What is that? Rough ashlar to the perfect ashlar stone. If you're, you're a lost little sheep and you're trying to get to the shepherd of Christ, this is what masonry is all about. That's why it's so sad that what's how the truth community treats masonry. They're literally calling out the people that we need to call out in their main myth and none of you are talking about it. I'll just say this, shame on you. That's where I get a little hot, a little hot. What about the, the tarot deck? Death and resurrection in the tarot deck. That's what it's all about. The fool to the world. You start out as the fool. Look at you. You're all wearing fancy dancy stuff and right and that 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 staff right there, that's not the staff that that staff is representing your spinal column, by the way. Whenever you see a scepter, a wand, a staff, that sort of thing, shepherd's crook cane, that sort of thing, that's all representative of your uprightness, right? The rod, right, that the serpent went up in Moses, oh but you know, just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so the Son of Man shall be lifted up. That whole thing, right? That's all a representation of that process of going from down here, whoo, going up, right? So look at this, look at this dummy fool. He's literally about to walk off a cliff. Cliff. He's not paying attention at all. He's got his wand on his shoulder. He's not. He's not upright. He's, you know, he's wearing all this fancy, dancy stuff. He's like uh, this little flower. The sun is at his back. He's not going towards the sun. A dog's literally yelling at him, being like, "Dude, you're about to fall off a cliff." And he's like, "Whoop a doo." He's an idiot, and that's what that's what we all are. So we want to go from that to what a reflection of the entire thing, and that's what the zodiac man is. The zodiac man is a you. You are a reflection of this entire thing, and that's what the that's what it's all about. You have to go consciously. You have to you have to do that inner work to recognize that to go through that process. So all of these different ways in which um, many different traditions talk about this death and rebirth process. Now, um, once again, many different ways to symbolize this: sun and moon, merging of the sun and moon. Cool, merging of the man and woman. Cool. Merging of the circle and square. Let's let's show many different examples of this so, you know, we can kind of cut our teeth on this a little bit, okay? Alchemy, you know, just the man and woman and the man's the sun and the woman's the moon and they're they're together and there's a there's a there's a time to pee my bird down there. There's a good old rooster cock down there and what is he doing? He's crowing. What is what what does the cock symbolize, right? <laughs> it's what is the what does the rooster do in the morning? It announces the sun. It's all about the sun. Because the sun is the gateway to the mysteries. So here's alchemy. You know, what, what kind of lab work are you supposed to extract out of this? <laughs> so, um, so here's a bunch of illustrations of what? Jesus dying on the cross. You can see I and R I there. We'll get to that. What do you see in all of these different illustrations? A sun and moon. Why? Because Jesus went through that process of death and resurrection because he becomes the example, the exemplar of which we are to follow. We are to take up our cross and follow exactly, you know, exactly the path that he did. And we'll get that, we'll talk about that at the very end too. So the sun and the moon is, represent, is representative of the fact that you, in this, in, in this sense, you're made of, of course, you're made of the whole thing. So you reflect the sun and moon within you, right? You have your left side, which would be considered your feminine side. Your right side is your masculine you, you know, some some cultures mix and match the sun and moon. Sometimes the moon is fat, ma, you know masculine, sun is male, or sun is sun is feminine. I think in Germany they do that. I want to say in like J J Japan, I think they do as well. Don't quote me on that, but you know it doesn't really matter. It's not like the sun has a penis and the moon has a vagina. It's not like we're like you know these are obviously at at, at the end of the day symbolism. So, but you see that representation of the, the man and woman, the, the merging of the man and woman, the merging of the sun and moon. Once again, this is alchemy all day long. 
you know, you look endless illustrations. I mean, I studied this stuff for years. I'm still studying it, of course. But, you know, you study this stuff for years and it's like, look, man, I mean, once again, what kind of lab work are you supposed to extract out of this? Like chemistry. Out of all of these alchemical illustrations, you're not. This is all about cosmology. This is all about a spiritual rebirth process. Okay? The, the complete and whole human being is the merging of these of this the, the masculine and feminine. You have one pole of energy and that pole of energy has a, we could say positive and negative, though negative isn't, there's really no, it's like a giving and receiving is maybe a better way to say that, right? So you're, you're, you're a magnetic vehicle, which means you have a north and a south. You have these polarities within you. It took a man and a woman to come together and pro to procreate and make you, which means that you're born of the, the, the male and female energy. And that, that, you know, that's, that's within you. And so the alchemical process and what, why we're celebrating Jesus resurrecting with the sun and the moon, Correct. Jesus died and was reborn in that spiritual rebirth process and we, we, they celebrated on what? The representation of the sun, getting more light, the days are growing, you know, the days are growing the, the longer, this, it's passing over to the upper half of the zodiac, if you will, that sort of thing. And then of course they tie into the moon. Why? Because Jesus is being reborn. And in order to be reborn, you need to merge these opposites. So every human being within them has the masculine and feminine qualities to them. Now, what you have with the the current trans movement is esotericists and occultists that know that within you, you have these two potentialities. Externally, I'm a man. I have a penis. I have a Adam's apple. I have broad shoulders. And, you know, I, I'm pretty strong. I have a lot of, you know, I'm a pretty strong guy. As opposed to my wife, when it came time to, you know, uh, shoveling gravel, I could do like 25 wheelbarrows of shoveling gravel and rock all day long and Jennifer could do one. Externally, I'm a man. Spiritually, internally, what do you have? That that energy and that energy is polar. It's if, And we can, we can make it, you know, uh, symbolize it with gender, I should say. Feminine, masculine. What are feminine traits? I'm going to say this quick. Nurturance, sensitivity, sweetness, supportiveness, gentleness, warmth, passivity, cooperativeness, expressiveness, modesty, humility, empathy, affection, tenderness, being, you know, emotionality, that sort of thing. Kind and helpful, devoted, understanding. That's a very, you know, the, that sort of feminine aspect, right? What's the masculine? Independence, dominance, aggression, protector, provider, strength, courage, assertiveness, competitiveness, taking action, ambitious, bold, stoic, creator, leader, analytical, logical, you know, seeking freedom, that sort of stuff. The, the, the true human being, the true man and the true woman, right? The holistic being embodies both of those things. That's what he does. He or she does. In order to be a complete human being in this sense, you want to merge those two and be the total human being. You're merging the sun and the moon. You're merging both aspects. Once again, this is not some trans thing. When you see the occultists and the, the esotericists of the world, they and they're they're pushing this like femininity on men, boys and things like that at a very very young age. What they're doing is actually going. They're they're um oh how do I say this? They're you know manipulating um you know, something that's actually true. And they're, they're getting these young boys and parents and stuff like that to be like, well, he's, he, you know, like, oh, he's kind of feminine when he's younger. So that means he must be gay. And that means we must cut off his penis and stuff. Like, no, 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 no. This is how sick these people are. They're using us, uh, uh, the, the spiritual process of you becoming a holistic being against us. 
Why is Jesus the bridegroom? We're going to read Matthew. I think next Sunday we'll do Matthew 9. It discusses uh, the bridegroom there. Um, what's a bride? What's a groom? It's emerging a man and woman. Jesus is dying and being reborn. When? When are we celebrating that? According to the sun and the moon. Correct? Yes. Okay. Once again, let's go back up here. What's, a, what's all the different ways in which we can symbolize this death and rebirth process? We got the sun and the moon. Hey, we covered that. The man and woman. Hey, we just covered that. Let's go to the circle and the square. Once again, this will be a little review, but reviews are good. Circle and the square. This is the first thing. Uh, in the beginning, God created the heaven, which is a circle, and the earth, which is a square. Okay? It's the first thing that gives you. Heaven is a circle. Earth is a square. And this actually tells us about our cosmology. Okay? Heaven is a circle and earth is a square. And we'll see this all around the world. This is not something that I'm just making up. This is not something that's exclusive to Christianity or Judaism or the Bible or anything like that. I'm here to tell you there's no way, once again, to, uh, you know, uh, I mean, this is alchemical in this sense, right? But there's really no way to understand all of the myths of the world, any of them, literally any of them, without a foundation in this knowledge, okay? Heaven is a circle, earth is a square, and I'll prove that point out in the next few slides. This, once again, a little review. What's heaven? It's the metaphysical. It's literally beyond the physical. You can't touch the sun. You can't touch the moon. Nobody's driving cars around Mars. No, we didn't land on the moon. No, we're not, you know, et cetera, et cetera. It's the unknown. It's the incorruptible. What do I mean by incorruptible? Can you go change the path of the sun? No. Can you go change the path of, you know, Orion's belt? No. No. It's incorporeal. Celestial spiritual spirit. Of course, now we have the the opposite of that in this sense. You have the earth, right? The earth is the physical. It's the known. It's the corruptible. It's the corporeal. It's terrestrial, okay? And this is what the circle and square ultimately represents. Your job is to merge these two and recognize that they're what? They come from one. And Genesis tells you that. What's the first thing it comes from? God. We're taking the, the, the sun and the moon and merging them we're taking the man and the woman and merging them we're taking the sun we're taking the earth and the heavens and we're merging them and recognizing that what they come from the one almighty source and that's god almighty okay this is why jesus says at the end of matthew and jesus came and spake unto them saying all power is given unto me and what in heaven and in earth and in circle and in square okay so all around the world we find this motif and it's, once again, when you start studying this stuff, I'll just give you a few examples, a little smorgasbord of examples here. But you know, some, of these, some of these cathedrals are all based on the, this fundamental archetype. This is, you know, you've got circle and square, circle and square. Okay. Everybody see that. Okay, here's, uh, of course, we just saw the rebus. Um... There's the mandala on the left. Pretty much every mandala you've ever seen is what? It's a circle and a square. It's a, and then, then you have your enlightened figure smack dab in the middle. In the middle of the, the monad, as we've covered many times. Correct? And, of course, Freemasonry, once again. Freemasonry. Everybody sees that symbol, and and we're going to cover that in depth pretty soon here. Um, but when I think one of the next few live streams we'll do, we're going to you know we're going to hammer that baby home. So that's what it represents. That's what the Freemason symbol is all about. It's about the merging of heaven and earth, and that symbol actually that symbol right there is where you get this cipher. 
There's, I mean, it's one one of the many, many symbols that actually encodes this cipher. I can, I'll do a live stream on that as well. But uh, Nuwan Fuchi, once again, I, 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 this is a review for a lot of people here, but uh, compasses and square, merging of the man and woman, right? You see that? Okay. Then you have the Buddha stupa on the right there. It's a square base and a round heaven. It's a circle in the square is what it is. Uh, Vitruvian man, Da Vinci. And so, once again... So, okay, now with that foundation, let's move on and let's actually talk about how death and resurrection and the process of, once again, that spiritual rebirth reflecting our birth is encoded in the Zodiac. But before we do that, we're going to pass the basket around. If you uh, like what we do here, well, let's do this one first. If you like what we do here, um, we keep going by your support. And so uh, if you like what you see, if you like learning this stuff, we do it you know, once a week. There's a lot to think about throughout the week. I only ask about you know hour and a half, two hours of your time, sometimes a little bit more depending on the subject. But uh, we keep going by your support. So uh, Venmo, buy me a coffee, cash app. You can become a subscribe star. <clears throat> and we have lots of stuff on the site, um, the archives, books, things like that. And if you would like to uh, send uh, any do donations or just a letter to say, hey, Marty, you're an idiot, or hey, we love you, whatever you want to do, you can um, <clears throat> send a snail mail. Yes, my name is Kevin McNally. No, I'm not Marty Leeds. That's a pseudonym. Uh, Kevin McNally, N17178 Country Pride Drive, Pembine, Wisconsin, 54156. But soon, soon that's going to be Missouri. That's going to be Missouri. So, um, so uh, thank you to all the people that do support. Let's play a little tune. Thank you very much. Thanks to all the people that do support the fine work we do here. We have lots of books for sale, and we do have our children's book coming out. We just had to switch illustrators, so it's going to be longer than we expected, but 
we're looking forward to that. So, <clears throat> okay. Now, so I think we got all that, right? Hopefully we all get that. We're, we're sun and moon, man and woman, circle and square. We're all about death and rebirth. That story is told to us by the sun. We don't need some old dusty book from a bunch of bishops and whatever written long ago to figure this out. Though I'm glad we have that book. Don't get me wrong. But we don't need that. God gave it to us right in our cosmology. That process of death and rebirth that we all have to go through. That's written in our stars. So, the first thing we're going to do is we're going to look at exactly sidereally what we see in the sky right now, okay? Or, or around this time, okay? And this is this would be at sunrise on Easter morning. So this would be this morning. This is what, you know, you would see in the sky, okay? So, the first thing we're going to do is we're going to look west. Okay, so we're going to look west. What do we see in the west? Well, we see Virgo rising in the west. Okay, well, as we know, I mean, the story has told us that Jesus was born of a virgin, right? Okay, so in the story of the S-U-N, or, or the S-O-N, I should say, excuse me, the S-O-N in that story, we're, it's Mary, she's a virgin, she gives, we all know that, I don't think I need to reiterate that. So we have that story in the winter. In the script, there's there's the Virgo, the Virgin Mary, given birth to our Lord. Okay, that makes sense. So now we're here in Easter and we see, oh, it's like they're reflecting that story, right? Now, once again, regardless of whenever we look at the sky, as we know, the sun tells us about death and resurrection. Anyway, every single day. So there's that. But right now, hey, man, I'm going to look to the west. And boom, what's there? Virgo. And he was born of a virgin. Well, that makes sense. Let's look to the south. Okay. What do we see in the south? Well, I look back that way. And what are you going to see? You're going to see Sagittarius and you're going to see Scorpio. Okay. And what do Sagittarius and Scorpio point to? They point to the what would be considered the center of the, the Milky Way, the river of stars. Okay. And in Hawaii, I could I could always go out my my uh, porch and just look, and boom, the, they called it the fish hook there, right? They called it a big fish hook. Same constellation they focused on. So um, you've got that big Scorpio tail, and that Scorpio tail points up to the center of the, the the Milky Way. Don't we do a lot of learning on here? Come on, come on, show some love. So that Scorpio tail points to the center of the Milky Way. Then you have Sagittarius with his archer, and he's like, and he's gonna he's gonna give that you know that arrow straight into the the center of the Milky Way there, and that's exactly what you see in the south. Okay. What does that represent? This place in the sky is a representation of what's known as the Golden Gate. There's the Silver Gate, and so and I'll, I'll I have a little graphic here as well, but um. Little explanation of this, but basically what happens is you can see there's there's your ecliptic, right? So there's where your the twelve zodiacal signs are on that ecliptic, right? And you see Gemini, Taurus, Aries, Cancer, 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 the whole bit, right? So you have where the Milky Way crosses the ecliptic, okay? And on those points that it crosses the ecliptic are what's known classically as the Silver Gate and the Golden Gate, okay? That's why you see like Golden Gate Bridge and that sort of stuff. The Golden Gate right there is represented as Sagittarius and Scorpio, and that's once again the center of the Milky Way. Now, this is important because this, um, by the way, this is not something that's once again just tied to like Christianity. We actually did, and if you guys didn't catch this, I'd highly recommend catching it. We did the um, the Cherokee story of creation, 
And in the in the Cherokee like creation stories and in their you know their their myths and things like that, they actually point specifically to this place in the sky and essentially say the same thing. This is where souls enter and exit the plane. Like the Cherokee, like the Middle East <sighs> Ocean Cherokee. And they're saying the exact same thing. Why? Because they're looking at what? The same sky. God gave it to all people. So this area of the sky that we're looking at right here is also legendary to astrologers as being one of the gates of the gods. The Milky Way stretches across the sky from one end of the ecliptic to the other. And the two places where this great river of stars meet the ecliptic are considered in legend and lore to be the Silver Gate and the Golden Gate. And once again, we just showed that there. Silver Gate is between Taurus and Gemini, Sagittarius and Scorpio, which is what we see in the sky right now. That's what we see when Jesus is being reborn. That's what we see in the sky. In the south. We already saw what was in the west. That's virgin. So the, the general notion was that these gates represent the places where souls could enter and exit the earth, earthly plane. And yes, it is a plane. It's a flat, stationary disc. And you know who helped us understand that? A good man named Bob Nodal. Go Bobby. The general notion was that these gates represent the places where souls could enter and exit the earth plane. And this is exactly what you see in the sky. The Golden Gate is formed between Sagittarius and Scorpio. That's what we're looking at during the winter solstice. And the Silver Gate is formed from the horns of the, the bull and Taurus and the twins of Gemini during the summer solstice. These, and that's just basically, once again, you know, the, according to the where it would be in the solstices. That's not, Anyway, this is what we see in the sky right now. Anyway, you can just look that up. These gates have sometimes been symbolized as they are by the Vatican. And I'll show you that in just a second by two keys being silver and gold in color. Of course, what does the keys also represent? The sun and the moon. What's the moon? It's silver. What's the sun? It's gold, obviously. Once again, those as we'll see, those two keys are representing the exact same thing that you find in Freemasonry, the exact same thing you find in alchemy, the exact same thing you find in, you know, all this sort of stuff, right? So these two keys represent silver and golden color, and they're often crossed with one another. The two gates or keys are said to represent two separate functions. Pay attention. The, the silver key has the power to bind and loose on earth, and the golden key the power to bind and loose in heaven. So what happened to Jesus? Was he bound on earth? And then what happened? Like literally nailed to a cross bound on earth. Then what happened? Easter, what he rose again. He is risen, correct? That's what we're to do. And what shows up in the sky? The very constellations that represent the power to bind and loose in heaven. So that's exactly what we see in that southern sky. So in the west, we got a virgin. We're celebrating at a time when what? When the sun and the moon are, in this sense, it's this marriage of the sun and moon. We know the sun is uh, it's going into that light, you know, the upper half of the zodiac. And then we celebrate it on what? The first sun, Sunday, 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 after the first what? The full moon. So there you see. So the golden gates opened to, to, to right, in this sense, allow Jesus to rise. And this is exactly what you see in the sky. Here's your emblem of Vatican, the Vatican emblem. Um, lots going on there. The three crowns, and there's the egg-shaped thing in the top, and the banner of heaven, and that the banner of heaven ties those two things together. There's the crosses. You know, I mean, my lord, there's there's so much there. Unfortunately, the Vatican's not telling you any of this shit. 
Of course, Pope Diddler II and Pope Diddler I and his, his whole kin and brethren, they're not telling you shit, are they? But they certainly know it. Mark my words. They certainly know about all this stuff, but they're not informing their flock. You got to go to a dusty corner of the internet and some Gnostics channel to learn this shit. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, enough said about that, right? So, all right. So we see what's, we know what's going on in the North, by the way. The North is always the North, right? So we see that, hey, the North Star, there's a dragon. There's, you know, king and queen up there, pole star, you know, Ursa Major, Minor. That we, we know what's going on in the North. I don't need to cover that. We saw what was going on in the West. We got a virgin. We saw what was going on in the South. We got the golden gates opening to loose the, the spirit of Christ so that he may rise up into heaven so that he can be the, the example and the exemplar that we are to follow. So, since it's Easter, let's, f let's figure out what's going on in the East. So this is what's happening in the East. <laughs> this is where it gets fun. Okay, so, <laughs> um, where do we start? Let's first look at as you can see, Pisces is there. You got the two fish. You see those two fish there? There's one over here, one over here, right there. You got Aries just below there. So in this sense, it's, you know, when the sun is rising, you've got the ecliptic doing this and it's, you know, it's rising. So it's rising between the, between Pisces there, as you can see, it's got, you know, it's the two feet up there and all of a sudden, woo, we got a sun rising up here and the Aries is right there. So let's first look, before we get into all that, let's first look what's right above that. Right above that, you have the constellation Pegasus, okay? And Pegasus is a big white flying horse in the heavens. And that's the horse that Jesus rode on, as we'll see. Pegasus is a prominent constellation of the northern sky named after a wing, winged horse in Greek mythology. It's one of the old, um, older ones known in the night sky. In fact, uh, Chase Chase Brew the Pious over there, Chance at Interverse Podcast, he just, um, he just interviewed uh, John McHugh, about um what was the show called the pegasus correlation something like that good show good researcher that guy is so if you get a chance go over and show some love to my to my brother chase over there um so pegasus so that's exactly what you see in the east it's like boom you've got you know um almost like announcing the the, the son of christ in the sense announcing that it's you know it's rising right you got that big winged horse in the sky of course there you see it was like a gas station named after Pegasus and stuff. Do you know? Do you know how many like corporations and stuff like that use astrological logos? I mean, astrological themes and stuff like that. It's crazy how many. I did a whole video on that. You can get it at the archives if you'd like. So, um, once again, did you find this idea across the world? Right? Like um, Odin rode this white slash gray horse, eight legged horse, this sort of thing. Obviously, when it had a horse has eight legs, what is it? It's a mythical horse. There's no horse with eight legs, right? So when he when Odin there is riding his horse, what is he doing? He's riding a mystical, mythical horse. And where is that horse? Well, you got to look to the heavens. The entire the entire thing of Norse is astrological. Okay, <clears throat> Muhammad he rode a white horse, didn't he? Jesus rode a white horse in Revelation, and we'll cover that when we do Revelation. So why is this horse important, though? One of the well, let's go back here. One of those feet there, as you can see from Pisces, the one on the right there, that, that fish is called the crown circlet. It's a circlet of stars. It's a, basically, it looks like a little circle there of stars, correct? And that um, is, what it's a, it's a star asterism and it's part of Pisces. It's one of the fish. 
It's a western fish formed by a rough oval of seven stars, as you can see, kind of, you know, ovular, and it's called a circlet. It's literally given the name a circle. The ring of seven stars is also sometimes called the circlet due to its distinctive shape. So as Jesus is dying and being reborn in the story, in the sky, what do we have? We have the Pisces going up and then we have this Pegasus. And what we have right there is, a, it's called the crown circlet. It's actually, uh, um, you know, we'll just say this. So let's do this. So actually what you have is, <laughs> as, as, this, as Jesus is being the bridegroom, the bridegroom, and we're celebrating it on the time with what? The sun and the moon, not just the sun. We're not just celebrating the sun, we're celebrating the sun and the moon. Hence why it's a movable feast. As this is happening, what you find in the sky is this, Pegasus. And you know what Pegasus, the body of Pegasus is? It's called the great square of Pegasus. What's right below that? It's the circle. It's the circlet of stars. That's what you see in the sky. Between the legs of Pisces, if you will, you've got the sun rising, essentially along with Aries. Right above it is Pegasus. Right above it is Pegasus. It's a circle and a square. It's a circle and a square. Well, what does that mean? Wait, we just covered that, didn't we? We just covered that. What is that representing? All of these different ways in which we can what? Symbolize the alchemical rebirth process, which is exactly what's happening to Christ. And then what is his message to you? Do the same. Be reborn. Being reborn through Christ isn't going down to your local... Uh, what I call them these days, chop shops. That's essentially what your modern churches are. They're chop shops. They take your spiritual body and they just hack it to bits. And they, and, and, and they make you believe in all sorts of crazy-ass nonsense that doesn't make any sense and it doesn't help you understand your world and it doesn't under, help you understand you know, anything in this sense. They don't, they don't know what they're reading. The circle in the square. And that's exactly what you find in the sky as Jesus is what? dying and being reborn and jesus rode on that horse this is what your churches should be teaching you but you know what most churches think this is devil worship demonic no that's what god put in the sky it's that simple so there you have there there's your there's your ecliptic there there's what's going on you can even see boom there's the ecliptic there's that that marker right there there's the anyway we'll get into that but there you see the great it's literally called these are two star asterisms star, a star asterism, asterism is just a group of stars that help you identify a place in the sky but also help you identify um the constellation so for instance you know there's more stars in the big dipper because it's ursa major but how do we recognize ursa major it's usually the seven stars of the big dipper correct yes Right? I mean, I don't think anybody's going to argue that, right? But there's more stars in the Big Dipper, the, the Great Ladle, because it's Ursa Major. So those, those seven stars are called star asterism. This is exactly what you have in the sky. You have a great square of Pegasus. That's what it's called. This is from the, the planisphere. And yes, it's called a planisphere because you're on the plane of Earth, this flat, level, stationary place that we're on. Thank you, Bob Nodal. God bless you. This flat, stationary plane that we're on, and then what? It's a sphere. It's because it's the sphere of stars that circles around it. <laughs> so that's called a planisphere. Do I have the planisphere? That's why it's called this thing. It's called a planisphere. 
is because you are on a flat stationary plane in the circle of stars. The circle of heaven is revolving around you. Great square of Pegasus in a circle. When Jesus is being reborn, you find a circle and a square and a sun and a moon. Well, that makes sense. That makes sense. Okay, let's go back to that sky now. So now we got the Pegasus. We understand, hey, there's a marker in the sky that says, hey, it's a square in the circle, circle in the square, and we're being reborn. Cool. Now, um, at this time, once again, sidereally, this is exactly what's going on. That sun is rising in the, through the legs of Pisces. Why do I call them the legs? It's actually called the cord of, of Pisces because it's connecting the two fish. But those, those two fish are, are represented on the Zodiac Man as what? Your feet. And you can see right there, there's Pisces at the bottom there. This is your Zodiac, man. Once again, you're a reflection of the whole thing. This is what your, this is what your churches should be teaching you. You're a reflection of the whole thing. Those fish down there, those are your two fish. Now, do you know how prevalent this thing is, man? I mean, you, when you get into esoterica, this, you'll just be inundated by this thing. Once again, it's, an, it's really an alchemical, uh, it's really alchemical in this sense. Um, and that's why the churches have gone running because they're like, oh, we don't actually want to deal with, you know, helping people actually be reborn. We just want to dunk your head in some water and, you know, put some money in the freaking basket. <clears throat> so you got two fish there. Okay, well, let's look in the sky. What's going on? There's a sun that's being born. Remember, we in winter, it's like we know that this we're celebrating Jesus's birth. And so we say, well, that's got to be reflected in here because it's death and rebirth. And what do we have in the sky? What, what, when a woman gives birth, what does she do? Does she put her two feet up? <laughs> and then what comes from between her legs? A new child? What is this? This is the birth, in this sense, the death and birth, rebirth spiritually of Christ. This is exactly what you see in the sky. The sun coming, in this sense, emerging between the legs of Pisces, the two fish. Right above that is a square and a circle. And this is all happening on what? The merging of the moon and the sun, correct? Yes. Okay, once again, if we knew Jesus' date, like when he actually died, why would you make it a movable feast? Why wouldn't it just be like he died, it was, you know, April 2nd, and it was a Thursday, and every th Why is it movable? Because the moon is movable. So, so there you have that. So this, by the way, the Vesca, the Ves Pisces, the fish, okay? The two fish, this is actually a reference once again to the fundamental symbolism of Christianity that you get from the symbol called the Vesca Pisces. And when you actually did, um, and this is essentially you know where we are right there, right? You've got the Pisces, the sun rising through Pisces and Aries is right there. We can see once again, uh, let me just show this again. Aries is right there, you know, you can see it. So the two fish actually was drawn by Christians, that the one would draw this, this, like in this sense, would draw the one fish going up, meaning you know male, one fish going down, meaning female, and this is one once again what the merging of man and woman. That's what those two fish represent. Once again, this is a sacred geometrical thing. Once again, and there, there, there it is again. If you haven't studied sacred geometry, this you know, I mean, this is where the fundamental symbolism of Christianity comes from. This is one of the most, save for the cross, by the way, that we're dealing with now, one of the most well-known symbols of Christianity. Where does it come from? The basics of geometry. Are any of the churches teaching you the basics of geometry? No, once again, you got to go to a dusty corner of the internet and listen to some guy in a stupid hat. He's got to teach you it. That's sad to me. What happened, church? What happened? What happened? 
So, um, there's Jesus emerging from those from that fish. The, the reborn Christ emerging from the fish. By the way, this is, uh, you know, this is exactly what's going on in our sky. Christ, the sun, S-O-N-S-U-N, emerging foot. Between the legs of the two fish, the two le- two feet. Okay. So, does everybody get that? So, all the elements are there. Even even the date that we specifically celebrate Easter on. Okay, now, what was above Christ that they, you know, it says in the Bible, I think it was three different languages, Hebrew, Latin, and Greek, that they said, you know, they said, hey, you're going to put I-N-R-I on top of that cross. And what does I-N-R-I represent? So when Jesus, you know, was hung on that cross, they put this up there. It was like, ah, what does it mean? The initialism, I-N-R-I is Latin, Jesus, Nazareth, Rex, um, Adorium. I'm not sure how to say that. I don't speak Latin. It's in John 1919. <clears throat> um, in English, it translates to Jesus of Nazareth, King of the Jews. Now, once again, this is the same theme. When he was born, what did they say? Right? Let's go back up here, if I can find it. Uh, what did they say? Ah, it's the king of the Jews. So at his birth, they called him what? The king of the, he was born king of the Jews. They called him that. And at his death, they did the same thing. So once again, it's a ref, they're reflecting one another, correct? It's like, oh, we got a virgin giving birth to the sun in the winter, and now, ah, we're in the Easter, and we got another one there. Okay? I-N-R-I. <clears throat> now, I could do a whole, just because of lack of time, I decided not to do this, but I could do a whole... English translation of this I-N-R-I. Okay, but what we're going to do is look at the Hebrew. Okay, so if we just take these letters, I-N-R-I, just as we have them in English and, and that sort of thing, and just transpose them to uh, to Hebrew. Um, Hebrew has, let me show you this. Um, for those of you that are not familiar with this sort of thing, Hebrew has its own cipher, Greek has its own cipher, English has its own cipher. If you do buy my books... Uh, Pine English Alphabets Volumes 1 through 3, I do include them at, in, in there. So there's your Greek isosophy, there's your Arabic abjad, there's your Hebrew gematria, your Kabbalah, and then, um, of course, this whole book is about the English. So this is a, this is a, as much as a reference manual as it is a, a learning tool. So, so what we're going to do is take those letters and just transpose them into, into Hebrew, okay? And this is, this is what we're going to find, okay? So, um, I-N-R-I. Now, Hebrew letters actually give a distinction. There's a symbol to each of those letters. Many people know this if you've, if you've done any sort of study in uh, Jewish Kabbalah. Um, I is Yad. That means hand. N is none, and that means fish. <laughs> R is Rash, which means head. And then I is Yad. You know, like... Most churches you go to, like, I'm assuming most churches you would go to on Sunday, there'd be a lot of kneeling and bowing and praying and a lot of like, oh, you know, we all need to look at all the suffering that Jesus went through in his life and feel bad. There's like all of that sort of stuff, right? I'm, I'm assuming that goes on. But here we're just having a, we're having a laugh, right? Because we're supposed to be in celebration. Being spiritual means to be spirited. Okay. I-N-R-I. I is Yod. N is none. R is Resh, and that means head. So we've got a hand. we got a fish. we got a head. That's what Resh means. And then we got another hand. 
Okay. <sighs> hand, hand, head, fish. We'll revisit that in just a second. What when you're when you're born now? When I was born, I was like my mom was in cesarean for like thirteen hours, and I was a total pain in the ass birth. But when when you're if you're not a friggin' weirdo, and you're born normally, what what's the first thing that emerges from? But in, in, in essence, like if you have two fish feet out and the legs, and there's like a a child that's born reborn, what's the first thing that emerges? The head. Correct? The head? That's, that's right. That's what comes out of the, the Vesca vagina. That's what, that's what the Vesca Pisces is in one of its symbolic manifestations. You guys know that, right? It's literally a geometric womb. That's how it's, that's how it's symbolized too. What's the first thing that emerges? The head. Okay, well, let's go back to our Zodiac man. What is Aries? Uh, it's the head. What is Jesus? He's the Lamb of God, the Ram. What are we to do? Go from our lower state all the way up here. Are we not? Are we not? Yes, we are. We all know that. That's the Zodiac. That's your Aries. Now, in the sky, when we look to the east, what do we see? Not only is the sun being born between two legs of two fish, <laughs> two feet, above it is a circle and a square representing the rebirth. It's celebrated on what? The merging of the sun and the moon and what's right there? Aries, the head. It's the first thing that emerges. Everybody get that? Okay, so, but that's not good enough. That's not good enough because they also included some math to this. And once again, this is just taking those letters and converting them right to, to Hebrew, Okay. Now, even if we just throw out the, the math, let's say, ah, oh, it doesn't matter. I think there's enough there to be like, what's the fish? Pisces, it's the Vesca Pisces. Jesus is literally emerging from that. What's the first thing in birth? The head. Then what? The arms and the hands, correct? The two hands? What do, we, we do a little bit of work with the hands here, do we not? I think we do. <clears throat> Yod is 10, none is 50, Rash is 200, and Yod is 10. And once again, um, if you buy uh, Pine in the English Alphabet's Volume 1 through 3 or Lord Jesus Christ, we include all of this in there for your learning experience. So um, you can double check all of that there. I almost spilled kombucha all over myself. Right there. 10 plus 50 plus 200 plus 10 is 270. Do you know what that is? It's roughly the amount of days that someone's pregnant, that a woman, someone, <laughs> what, what am I, I'm sounding very World Economic Forum-y here, aren't I? When a woman, because that's who gets pregnant, women, when a woman is pregnant, roughly how many days is she pregnant for? 270. What are we dealing with here? Death and rebirth. All day long. It's just like throwing it in your face. Sun, moon, man, woman. <laughs> Circle, square. 270. Well, what is the dates? So here's the dates, you know, because we know that it's a movable feast. It's a it's a 40-day variance. You mean, like, just like pregnancy? Who's born at, like, nine months, 280 days, or 270 days exactly? It's That hardly ever happens, right? So, but we have this general time frame, this general pattern of what? 260 days, 270 days, 280 days, that sort of thing. Well, here's, um, this is just... This is what it is this Easter, April 9th, 
um, to December 25th, that non-movable day. You got a movable feast. You got a non-movable. You got the sun, and we got the sun and moon. And what do you have? Roughly 260 days. Now, of course, once again, there's a 40-day variance, which means all of that is roughly what? The amount of time you're pregnant. A woman is pregnant. And that's exactly what they're telling you about. Death and rebirth. Your spiritual rebirth reflects your what? Your physical birth. It's written in the stars. Roughly about 270. That's This is what INRI tells us here. Once again, that's some old Hebrew stuff. Let's just throw that out. Okay, well, let's just look at the, literally what the Zodiac tells us. When's Christmas? Right about there. This would be tropical, but you know it doesn't really matter. In this, I mean, this could be either one. I guess. I guess this would be tropical, but it doesn't. You know, it doesn't really matter. You're dealing with what? About three months, thirty days a month, about ninety, right? So what are you at? You're about two seventy. That's where we are tropically, crossing into Aries tropically. Up there, that's when December. That's when Christmas is. What do you have between there? Two seventy. Once again, the process of rebirth is based on your spiritual rebirth is based on your physical birth. It's literally in the stars above. It's in the story. It's in the math. It's all there. And that's what it's all about for us, being reborn through Christ. This is why it's called being reborn. Being reborn is not you going down to, once again, I'll call it what it is, the chop shop. The chop shop churches, that's what they are. Going down there, some some pastor that doesn't know literally any of this stuff, dunking your head under some water and be like, oh, you're saved. It's not how it works. It's not how it works. We also know we talked about this one of the other live streams. Why is coming to Christ called being reborn? What happens in birth? Pain. And then what? Right after that pain. The most joyous thing a woman you know, one of the most joyous things a woman can undergo in this life. Oh my God, I created this shit? Whoa, holy Lord, this was, what? <laughs> right? The soul's journey requires pain. Why is Jesus on that cross? Do you know how, look up how painful and, and like the, the, the slow death, that's why it's through, you know, through in, oh, I don't want to get into that. The slow death of, of when somebody's crucified. It's literally one of the most excruciating things that they say. Why did they choose this to, to as, as the symbol of your spiritual rebirth? Because the soul's journey requires pain. That's what we talk about. You go into that under, underworld. You go into the Hades. You go into Sheol. You go into hell. And then you merge out and you're like, ah, bitch, Satan, you ain't got nothing on me. Okay? So... This is, uh, and we're gonna we're gonna end this here. Um, this is this is um, Philippians two five to eight here, and it says this. Okay, let this mind be in you, comma which was also in Christ Jesus. This is Paul, obviously. You know, you know how many modern Christians would say, like, you know, we don't talk about like Christ consciousness. Like, you probably have never even heard me use those two words, right? Like, I, I don't talk, I don't write about Christ consciousness. I don't talk about Christ consciousness. But you do have a lot of like, I don't want to say like New Agey, but you know, like, um, or Gnostics, or lots of people that will throw this term around. And then you'll see these literalist fundamentalist Christians poo-poo this, like, oh, you believe in Christ consciousness? Apparently, Paul did. Apparently, Paul did. What the hell does that mean? 
let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. So Jesus and I are supposed to share the same mind? In other words, we're supposed to share the same consciousness. I mean, talk about just, you could literally just say, let this Christ consciousness be in you. They could have said that. It's the same thing. And once again, I don't even use that terminology because it is, you know, you know, I think, I think it's run its course in many respects. You know, too many people have tainted that sort of stuff, but that's fine. But, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. Christ consciousness. Okay, so exactly what Paul said. Cool. All right, cool. I can read. So this is what he says. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. It, is, it, is it not written in your law, I said ye are gods? Do you know what that means? That's theosis. That's apoth- apotheosis. That's, that's lead. You know what God is in a sense? Gold. But made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant because we're all servants of God when we're on that, on that course, on that path. And it was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself because that's what the spiritual process is all about. Humble yourself. And became obedient unto death. What did he become obedient? To truth. To truth. It's like Bob, like Bob Nodal. You know what I mean? That guy was obedient to truth. And you know how much shit that guy got for years? And you know what he did? I, I don't, I'm, I'm pretty sure he wasn't a Christian, but I know that that guy took up his cross. And being found in a fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death. You are obedient to God and to truth, even if they throw you up on a cross. Because guess what? That pain is temporary. But you know what eternal life is? Eternal. And you know what reward Jesus got? They thought, he, they, those jackasses thought they were done with them. They're like, just throw them up on the cross. It'll be it. <laughs> fools. Fools. You're still fools. That's the world you threw up on the cross there. It's marked in the sky. So, arise. We'll, we'll cover this in Matthew 9 too, uh, probably next week. Arise, arose, Aries. What's happening right now in that sky? What's happening? Literally, the canopy of the sky is telling you what to do. What's Aries? Ah, the head is emerging from what? Because you're being reborn. The sun and the moon is merging. The circle and the square is merging. You've merged all the opposites in this creation. Man and woman, and all of a sudden, now you're rising. Where are you rising? You're rising right up to the lamb, to the, to the ram. That's what you're doing. That's what we're here to do. So, our goal is what? To be reborn. So go on, everybody. Take up your cross. Take it up. We need it more now than ever. Stand and live in total truth. Even if to death. <clears throat> are you saying to death, Marty? Yes. Why? Don't listen to me. Once again, I'm just some, just some, you know, wanker Gnostic on some dusty corner of the internet. Listen to Christ. Go on. Take up your cross and be reborn. Become the butterfly. Break out of that cocoon. And if you, uh, once you become that butterfly, you're going to need wings because you guys, I got bites. Okay? So, um, I just want to say thank you, everybody, for joining us this Sunday. I hope you all learned something. I hope you all enjoyed the service. 
um, if you want to become a good bird, you can become a good bird over at Subscribestar. We're trying to get another, I don't know, maybe another 20 subscribe stars or something over there so we can keep this baby up and running. So uh, you can become a phoenix bird, you can become an Aquila bird, you can come, become a Cygnus bird, or you can announce the sun in the morning and the rising sun within you, just like Time of the Bee, my bird did. And uh, you can announce that sun. Okay, so thank you all very much for joining us. We do this every Sunday, and we've got a lot more in store. We're going to do the rest of Matthew. We're going to do Compasses and Square. We've got a whole bunch of stuff in the hip parade. Once we finish Matthew, everybody's chomping at the bit to get into Revelation, which we'll do. Um, like I said, we've got a, a children's book coming out. I think the next thing I'm going to work on is the tenets for the order of, you know, I call it tenets of the order. Basically, what does this church believe? That sort of thing. We're going to put a little, nice little, booklet together. I think that's the next thing I'm going to work on. So um, once again, if you would like to support the work we do here, Venmo, buy me a coffee, Cash App, Subscribestar is the best way to support. And um, if you'd like to send a note or a letter or anything like that, um, once again, Ken McNally, N17178, Country Pride Drive, Pembine, Wisconsin, 54156. I do have a few uh, letters here that I'm going to open on Tuesday. Haven't opened them yet. Um, we're going to open on Tuesday because I'll be here, so we'll do Tuesdays with Marty. I'll play a little guitar, sing a little song, dance a little dance. You know how it is. just want to say thank you to Content Safe for getting me on BitChute, Rumble, and Odyssey. And we are streaming to Rockfin. I believe we're streaming to Odyssey this morning. I don't have it open. And uh, YouTube. So you can also get this at the Flat Earth, Sun, Moon, and Zodiac app. Yes. That's where you can get this. The Flat Earth, Sun, Moon, and Zodiac app. And you can get the Sunday sermons on there. They're all on there. All the sermons are live. All of the old content that I had is saved for the documentaries. It's not on the web. You'll have to get the archives at uh, GnosticAcademy.org because that's what keeps us alive. And it's worth it. There's literally a lifetime's worth of knowledge for like 270 bucks. You, it's like buy, It's like buying like Yale, Harvard, and Stanford except if they weren't cucked. It'd be like that for like two, 270 bucks. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, um, if you do get a chance and are in Southern California, Bakersfield area, I'm going to be doing, really looking forward to this, the gathering with uh, some really great people, Mike Winter, uh, Bear Lando, Kelly Brogan, Aileen McCusick, Alec uh, Zach, Melissa Sell, uh, a couple of the people, I'm not sure the rest of them, but um, some great people. So if you do get a chance, I'd love to see you there. It's three days. It's it's food and music. And um, I already talked to um, Mike and Bear. And what we'd like to do is at night we'll go up. Um, there's like a 10-minute hike we can do. And you can see a lot of the stars. And I'm going to do a whole like, hey, let's learn about the stars. So we'll get our planosphere out. You know, we'll we'll coordinate ourselves. You know, we'll orient ourselves. And we'll, and we'll you know, do, some, do some learning up there. So it'll be really cool. Hands-on, hands-on kind of thing. So if you do get a ticket, uh, please go to my... Uh, affiliate link musicandsky.com forward slash mate marty and um, i'm looking a little pale there I'm a little pale there i need i think i need a new picture anyway um it's gonna be great and i get a little cut from that and that helps once again support this uh church um we do have uh signed hardcover books once again the archives um got some music records i need I like two more records i need to record so um i also want to say this um we got a chance when we were in Phoenix to visit the Seal family. Uh, Shannon Seal met her and her husband and her and her uh, children. They were just wonderful, uh, wonderful time. And I, on the way home, I listened to their daughter's podcast, and it's called The Flowering Compass. It's called The Flowering Compass, and that's Maddie there. Uh, there's Maddie, and she runs. She's a high school student, I think, junior. 
and um, she started this podcast. She's like 55 episodes in, something like that. And I listened to one episode on, on the way, and it was it was really good. I was, I mean, I was actually surprised. I was like, wow, these, these kids are pretty damn smart. Smart little cookie there. Got great heart, too. So if you are a member of the church and you do have um, a child that's, you know, in high school and that sort of thing, and they're looking for a good, a good, um, you know, podcast to listen to, check it out. We like to support the people that are in this church. So um, good podcast. So great job, Maddie. Keep it up. Keep up the great work. We love you. Okay. So, all right. That's going to do it. Once again, uh, I will be doing Tuesdays with Marty. And um, yeah, we'll we'll be on for like hour, hour 20, play some songs, open some mail, and it's going to be fun. Uh, anybody have any questions, that sort of thing, we'll cover that. So, um <sighs> Guys, may you always keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. May his grace be with you all. Amen. All right, we're going to listen to some Taylor Swift. What, 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 Marty, what the, what the hell did you just say? Yeah, that's right. I said we're going to listen to some freaking Taylor Swift. T-Swift. Mark Brotherson just shit his pants, by the way. Mark Brotherson's like a huge metalhead. He's like, Marty, I really like this church. And I was like, now you're telling me you're going to play Taylor Swift. You suspect, Marty. That's what Mark Brotherson's saying right now. He's holding little Ella right now. And he's just like, I was beginning to like this church. So we're going to listen to Taylor Swift. Just for you, Cora. <laughs> but we're not going to listen to Taylor Swift. We're going to listen to Ryan Adams' doing a Taylor Swift song. But this song is really beautiful. It's called Wildest Dreams. Ryan Adams covered an entire Taylor Swift record. And I know that sounds ridiculous, but it's really, really good. And this song is super beautiful. And so it's my show. It's my church. We're listening to it. All right. Guys, I love you so much. Thank you all for uh, spending your Sundays with with me and, and, and tuning in every Sunday and everybody that supports this. Thank you so much. We really, really want to keep this going and um, we can't do it without you guys. It's just, we can't do it without the support. We can't do it without people showing up the whole bit. So, um, all right, that's going to do it for me. Guys, I love you so much. Have a wonderful Easter. It's time. It's time. No better time than now. Be reborn. Okay? Do it. Go through, go through that process of your spiritual rebirth. Get rid of all that rough ash lard, okay? Um, oh, I've got to say thank you. Thank you. <laughs> See, this is why you need, this is why. <laughs> you want to go through the alchemical marriage, but you also want to do a physical marriage as well because men are forgetful and retarded sometimes and they need a good buyer, they need a good woman to keep them on track. So before we listen to Taylor Swift, and yes, I said we're t listening to T-Swift. Um, yes. <laughs> My lovely wife is detoxing right now and she's getting all the, the junk up. So uh, one second, she'll be there in just a second. Let me just say hi to you beautiful people. How many we got? 144 watching, 144,000, right? So... So, and if you're new here, um, if you're new here, Stacy Sunshine, hey, hey, Stacy, you're moderated. Boom. See, see what we do there. So, um, if you're new here, um, which doesn't really look like there's too many new here. Yes, Jen is marvelous. I know. I married a good one. Um, uh, everybody here has, as you can see, everybody has uh, wrenches. And no, that's not because we're a cult. Is because, as I said when we started this thing, we cultivate a really good group of people. And as you can see, just read this comment section. Full of love, care, compassion, virtue, uprightness, righteousness. That's what we need in this world. So reflect it in your life. This is what we're doing. This is what we're doing. Okay? So that's why this isn't some cult or anything. We give everybody wrenches because it's like, no, we're going to trust you. 
because that's who we want here. And if you can't handle yourself, you got to get out. And look how well people handle your, themselves. I will say this. I want to say this one other thing. When you go to a lot of other like uh, comment sections and stuff like that, just look at how childish people can be. Look at look look at how disgusting a lot of times they can be. I, I could name some names. I'm not going to because it's Easter and let's try to elevate ourselves. But there's a few people I could mention here. You go to their comment section. It's just it's just condescending and mocking and constantly deriding and belittling people. It's like a bunch of children. I call it, I call a lot of these comment sections like adult daycare. That's not what we're doing here. That's not what we're doing here. And that's so beautiful to see. Okay. So um, anyway, so that's why everybody has wrenches because we're going to trust you that, hey, if you're here, it's because you want to be an upright person. It's because you're, you're here because you want to learn. You want to be a better person. Okay. And that's why you should go to church. Okay, so um, as 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 David Weiss puts penis in in the <laughs> so, <laughs> David's like, what's the most childish thing I can say right now? Let's do that anyway. But who doesn't love Dave? Come on, who doesn't love Dave? Dave, quite a loss, man, huh? Bob is a loss. You know when when uh, I I only met Rob Skiba very briefly. I just literally shook his hand, said said hello, and so when he died, I didn't you know I didn't really do like a memoriam or a remembering of or anything like that. I mean I I had much love for Rob Skiba, but I didn't really know him that well or anything like that. So you know I left that to the people that didn't know him. But I did get a chance to actually spend some quality time with Bob. And in fact, at the the previous um, Flattoberfest, the previous one, did you send me this? Oh, I'm sorry. Here, I'm just ranting, waiting for you to hand me something. Oh, my Lord. I did I did get a chance. He actually helped me. Um, my computer wouldn't work, and so I had to transfer everything onto his computers, and so he was there helping me, and just a wonderful dude. So um, so anyway, that's, that's uh, yeah, anyway, that's a loss for sure. Um, okay, let me just say this. Um, uh, last week, Brian Rose, Larry Latempio, Jamie Greeley, Alan Woodward, Derek Hendrick, Carmen Taylor, Shannon Seal, love ya, Robert Bruce, Garrett Rudolph, Derek Holloway, Gavin, Daniel Hager, thank you so much. Andre, Andre, my brother, love you so much. Alpha Vedic, thank you guys so much, Alpha Vedic, for, for having me on once again. If you guys get a chance, I just did the Alpha Vedic show. Love Dr. Bear and Mike. They're just, they're just solid freaking dudes, man. Solid dudes. Thanks to all the subscribe stars. Um, Looks like we got a, a new one, Am, uh, Amberson A Cat, and so let's say Gen X rated tip twenty. Thank you so much, Horace's Horace's Horology, nineteen ninety nine. Thank you so much, Carrie Musgrave. Thank you, G's Song. Oh, G's Song, nice to see you. Love, love to you, Zen Wen Arizona. Thank you so much, Alicia Crawford. Thank you so much, Auntie Jake. Can't wait to see you, Auntie Jake. We'll be seeing you. Uh, looks like a month from now. Something like that. Can't wait. Jared Poole, you are the man, Jared Poole. Thank you so much for your kindness and your generosity. Thank you so much. John Vina, love to see you, brother. Love to see you. Hopefully we can hang out some. Thunder Chicken, Lee, what's up, my brother? Thank you so much. Jamie Greeley, great to see you. Hopefully I answered your question, Jamie Greeley. If not, if you have any other questions, get get at me on Tuesday. I'll try to expound or expand on that. Someone bought a coffee and Shannon uh, Seal bought 20 coffees. Thank you so much. The clarity we receive from your teachings brings us so much joy. We love you, and Jen, we love you too. Um, someone said, uh, appreciate your hard work and devotion to this fine work. Peace, love, and good vibrations to both of you. Thank you, someone. Jamie Greeley said, blessings on this Easter Sunday. Blessings to you. Happy Easter, Marty and Jen. Happy Easter. Can't wait to see you guys, Auntie Jake. And Eric C., my brother, sent 20 for much love. That is awesome. Thank you guys so much for uh, your support. Let me just say quick, the subscribe stars. Why not? Lindsay Chapman, love you, girl. Love, you. can't wait to see you and you and your friend at uh, the gathering. It's gonna be great. Lauren D, 
L.J. Lowe, Samurai Deadpool, Adam H., Harvey Brown, Paige, Paige, love you. Sage Bear, Daniel Petrilio, Shannon Seal again, just killing it. Jen, Jenny B., it's not Jenny B. There's, there, there is no Jenny B anymore. There's Jenny G. Jenny G7, the pious, because she got married to a good bird. Good, good bird. Jamie Diana, 2634. Interesting Cynthia Holtzman, Bobby96. Can't wait to see you as well, Bobby. Can't wait to see you. Jared Poole, Anders Olberg, Javier, my brother, and then Amberson Acat, Anderson Acat. Okay, that's going to do it. Guys, I will see you uh, on the flip side. I'll see you Tuesday. Tuesdays with Marty. We do that about uh, 7 o'clock on Tuesday, Central Standard Time, and that'll be fun. That only stays up for, by the way, only stays up for like a day or two, then it goes over to Rockfin, because um, I'm trying to generate some content for uh, the Rockfin folk, which I think there's like, I have three subscribers or something in Rockfin, but that's okay. Okay, that's going to do it, guys. Let's listen to some uh, T-Swift, okay? Um, love you so much. Have a wonderful Easter. As always, many blessings and much love to all.
staring at the sunset, baby. Red lips and rosy cheeks. Say you'll see me again, even if it's just in your mind.